Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. All right. So, hey, good afternoon, everybody. And um, thank you for joining the uh, Great Lakes Tech Leaders discussion uh, for this week. Um, we're going to be talking about application logging. Um, so, yeah, let's just do a quick, uh, quick round of introductions and then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just dive right into the topic. Uh, myself, uh, I'm Jason Brown. I'm a cloud solutions architect uh, with Right Brain Networks. Uh, Phil, did you want to go next? Yep. Um, I'm a cloud solutions engineer with Right Brain Networks. And Joe? And I'm a business development associate here at Right Brain Networks. And Tom? Um, Tom Kowalski, uh, chief architect at Daysmart Software. And uh, I've actually worked with you know, some of you before uh, with Right Brain. So good, good to see you and talk to you all again. Yeah, good to talk to you too. It's a pleasure having you on. Uh, so yeah, I guess so. We, uh, you had selected the the topic for this week, which was application logging. Um, it sounds like you had uh, a few ideas that you wanted to to bring to the table. And yeah, I was thinking maybe that uh, if you wanted to to kick off the discussion, we could we could all take it from there. Um, sure. I mean, I, I think I just suggested it because the last time we were talking, uh, I thought it was about application logging and, uh, you know, really more focused on like config change logging, um, things like that, right? Your cloud trail um, changes going on. So, um, so yeah, I uh, am very intrigued in, in all things logging. And I'm also intrigued too that you called it centralized logging. I was wondering what that meant to you all. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for at least uh, for me, uh, a common problem that I typically see with a lot of people that we talk to um, is, uh, you know, when there's a problem somewhere in my system, you know, what happened and how do I fix it quickly? Right, you know, the days of, of um, huge monolithic apps are, uh, are pretty much gone now um, in favor of um, a multitude of smaller distributed components that are, are working together to provide a solution. Um, and so when you have a lot of these different uh, components that are um, you know, spread out amongst multiple uh, or, or duplicated among uh, multiple environments, um, it can kind of get messy when you're looking, diving through logs to find a specific issue, like a specific error or, or trying to triage or diagnose a problem. Um, so uh, the solution for that um, is to have a, a single pane of glass where you can see everything that's going on in your environment. Um, and uh, that, that's what we typically refer to uh, as centralized app logging or um, just centralized logging. Um, there is a distinction that we typically make between infrastructure logging and app logging. So, you know, if I have a lot of different components that are running in Docker containers, for example, 
and I have and I want to know what the um, you know the, the health of the Docker container itself is. Um, that would be more along the lines of infrastructure logging, whereas application logging is more about you know what is happening uh, inside my apps. Like, how is the data being handled? Um, how is the what's happening with the business logic and how is it performing? Um, so uh, typically you see uh, several different, um, uh, there's, there's a, a general um, architecture that, that people follow. So when you have a lot of different apps that are logging with, you know, if it's just in, running on an EC2 instance or like, like a traditional server or in Docker containers um, or what have you, um, you would have your app logging to a specific place, uh, and then you would have a component that would collect all of these logs. It would either be called a collector or a forwarder, and then they would uh, push these logs over to what's known as uh, an indexer, uh, which will retrieve all of the different logs and index them into your wherever you you're going to have your centralized log storage. Um, and then on top of that, you have a visualization layer where you can perform queries to um, uh, in, in, uh, analysis on, on what's actually happening um, within uh, the environment. So, um, yeah, there's. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you, you threw out a few words there, like within your environment, uh, you know, app and component. So the reason why I ask, like, like what's centralized is where's the boundary of that? And where I'm coming from is, you know, we want teams to kind of own, you know, their specific applications. And what we mean by that is kind of break it down by the persistent storage. Anything that can access, you know, a database is all one application. And we try to keep that self-contained. And then there's also, you know, we're acquiring different companies, right? That all have different apps and, you know, in their different environments. And it's just kind of hard to um, define the boundary of what's centralized, right? Like everybody has to, you know, send everything to to this one place, or do you let, you know, the, the different teams decide and you know what technology they're using and and what's best for them? So I'm just, you know, for me, it's just kind of hard defining that boundary of what's centralized, right? With the different workloads of, you know, the apps to you know, that are, that are working together with each other. So yeah, I was wondering what, what your thoughts are on that, like centralize everything in the entire company, like all the applications or where do you define your boundaries? Right, I mean, that, that's a really good question. And it really depends on um, uh, your, the organization, like how your, your um, organizational units or business units are composed within your organization, um, like how, siloed off they are or um you know like uh, if you have apps that are completely self-contained that don't interact with any other apps you know maybe there there would be a um you know an obvious distinction there where you'd want to keep something like that separate um typically though what we um what we see is that uh we most uh organizations we talk to want to have some kind of a um a single place where all of the um, the app logs for all of their applications uh, will uh, flow into whether or not certain apps are talking to certain other apps. Um, it's uh, when it comes to 
um, diagnosing and triaging issues that are happening, uh, being able to um, search through all of the uh, all of the the different apps that belong to the app, uh, to the organization, it, it, it can be a very um, uh, helpful thing. But um, is it necessary? Not for everybody. Uh, it, 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 it definitely um, uh, can be tailored to the needs of, of um, your, your uh, organization. Um, so, but what's nice is that with a lot of uh, these types of solutions like industry standard solutions like Splunk uh, or having an elk stack, um, you can uh, filter in such a way as to um, uh, for, for permissions, for example, right? If you will have, if you only want one team to be able to view or access one set of data, uh, it's actually, uh, there are mechanisms in place where you can um, tailor people, what people can see or query for um, within your, your central solution. Uh, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of comes into the, the next question, right? Of the, you know, environment, boundaries right of the prod non-prod who can see what right and and uh and, and where you segment that as well right do you have do you stand up completely separate solutions or do you rely on right those mechanisms of um you know the the permissions of you can only search right in this context but it's all like the same you know centralized solution right yeah um that's a really good question um so because uh, a lot of times we'll see different environments like your prod, your pre-prod, test, and dev, and they can be in completely separate, um, you know, if you're using AWS, for example, they can be in completely separate accounts. Like having that layer of separation between those environments is a good thing. But uh, like, what do you do then? Do you have, uh, you know, you're rolling out, um, you know, a, a logging solution in each account? Uh, well, what we've typically done in the past is, um, we would have uh, a separate account set up from those called your shared, shared services account or your shared services environment that would be able to receive uh, data from any one of the other accounts securely, of course. But uh, that is where you'd have your logging solution uh, spun up. And then when you have an app component that wants to log and forward its logs out to your um, centralized logging solution, like your elk stack, um, you'd also be sending things like, you know, what's the, the name of the component? Uh, what environment is it in? You know, is it dev or prod or whatever, whatever. Um, so, and you know, the timestamp, of course, like a lot of different information so that um, that can be filtered upon very easily uh, later on when somebody's looking at um, the visualization and performing searches on the data, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah, that all makes sense. Um, I guess the the next thing with that right is, do you differentiate between um, like your your logs where you're you know you're pretty sure there's not going to be any PII in there right versus debug logs, or do you kind of treat them the same, um, or do you rely on any like scrubbing mechanisms or that's a really good question. And th that is, it's kind of a complicated answer. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of different routes you can take with that, right? Um, so 
First, uh, it, I will say that if you have logs that are containing any kind of PII, um, you definitely want to make sure that wherever you're going to be querying from the data, uh, you'd have to lock that down very securely. So, um, you know, you'd, you'd, for your uh, Elk stack, for example, if you're using like uh, Elasticsearch, well, it's called OpenSearch now, uh, with Kibana on top, you want to make sure that somebody running the searches in Kibana wouldn't be able to have access to that kind of data. So the, there's there are ways which you can restrict that kind of access and what they can um, see and filter on. And you want to make sure that you, you'd screen out um, that data for, uh, you know, the role of the person that's going to be accessing it. Um, and also, too, uh, another way you can slice it is um, through um, your different log levels, right? I mean, it would take some yeah. uh, enforcement, but you could say that uh, you brought up debug logging, right? So, like, if you have a, a layer that's extremely detailed, I mean, you is something that's uh, potentially sensitive, containing something sensitive. Um, whereas having, uh, you know, your regular just info logs, um, just make sure to screen all of that stuff out before even um, logging that to, uh, like pushing that out through your forwarder, right? Um, so yeah, th those are some, just a couple of different examples, but uh, yeah, that's one that, it takes a lot of discipline as well if you're doing it that way. Um, just in terms of uh, having a policy that's enforceable like that. Um, yeah, I mean, th these are the challenges that we have, right? And it's kind of like, you know, you, you want to centralize things, but then it's also like, okay, now, you know, if you really centralize it, everything has to be treated like, you know, production could be, could have PII in it, right? And it, so yeah, it's it's been like a balance for us, and right, just wondering how, mm -hmm. yep, how other teams do it. So. Yeah. Well, what about for you guys? Um, like, are do you have a uh, like a solution for each environment, or do you typically have a you know like a one um, like a single pane of glass that uh, contains logs for your uh, for all of your environments? Yeah. So we uh, we initially started off with. Um, like an elk stack, right? And and using um, AWS is this is before it was, I think even called Open Search, um, and you know we, we'd send everything over there, and we had you know some some um, Kibana dashboards and things like that. Um, but you know things were in, in different places, and it was it was just you know hard to get the developers to um, to to get in there, right? They're used to their you know, right into a database that they have, right, and querying it. Um, and so it was kind of hard to get it centralized that way. Um, and we kind of stayed with that for a while. We moved to New Relic for, um, you know, performance monitoring and metrics. And then they came out with, uh, with a lot better support for logs and support um, for HIPAA, right, compliance. I'll sign a BA. So we we've been moving a lot of stuff over there, and um, yeah, it's just the the balance, right? Of of what can we move over there, and and so right now it's it's usually not so much logs, right? If it's in production or the, our apps that are older, 
more legacy. Um, the newer ones, you know, more diligent about, uh, you know, scrubbing things before they're sent out. And, and New Relic also provides um, things to like kind of see it and like scrub it for you or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. So it, and the, it just depends on the different stages, the maturity of the the apps themselves and uh, and the teams working on them of where things are and you know, how, how centralized it is. But um, trying to, you know, move everything to uh, to New Relic is where we're at right now. Interesting. Yeah, that's so new new relic. I don't have any experience with personally, but I know that it is one of the industry standards uh, now for, um, you know, for, for logging, um, infrastructure logging and, and now app logging. Um, uh, most of my exp expertise has been, um, you know, either in uh, the traditional elk stack, uh, or um, uh, something I've also used in a recent project uh, was um, using TimeStream to collect the data and store the data, uh, and then having the Grafana as the visualization layer, uh, which has been very uh, interesting and, and successful. Um, but yeah, that New Relic is one I have not uh, had a lot of experience in personally. And I know a little bit of Splunk, um, but uh, that, and it, which is also an industry standard as well. But, uh, so yeah, it, that's interesting that you mentioned though that it, it's actually New Relic's able to scrub out some of the um, some of the data like as it's being ingested. Um, like I know that with uh, when you're ingesting logs, either pushing it through the forwarder or having the indexer transform it. I mean, there's there's some ETL like job um, to actually get it into the format it needs to be where you're storing it. Um, but that's really nice that New Relic, you're able to define like what, um, you know, what, what it should be screening out. Uh, is that something that you just like, you just configure or something that you'd have to, you, do you have like write an ETL job as part of it or? Uh, so it's just like basic that they have in there. Most of the, what we do is we try, we try to make sure that only the info logs are going over there. Um, and then, yeah, anything that's debug stays in, these are mostly new things, right? So they'll stay in CloudWatch. So these are usually Lambda functions, mm -hmm. um, their logs. So, and then it also gets expensive too, dumping, dumping that over. So try to keep it, you know, just enough to like, um, uh, you know, the balance, right? Of, you know, too much information, um, you know, not enough. So. To, to like monitor things in production, it's usually just kind of like that info layer, right? And it's kind of rely on like our own scrubbing, but I, I don't know like the the detailed mechanisms on the um, the the new relic side, but I know they do it with like C the SQL commands before that, they would um, kind of like scrub that out, like the values going in there and things like that when they would record it, so. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point too. I mean, I, that's one thing that I've heard uh, consistently about Splunk is that like, it's really great. You typically just set it and, you know, away it goes, but it can really rack up the bill. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you, sorry, go ahead. You're usually paying twice, right? It's like what's going in to uh, that service. And then, you know, AWS doesn't like data coming out of AWS. So right. that's the other bill as well. Yeah, so that can get pretty expensive. So it's interesting, yeah, that you were able to come up with a way to um, 
to keep costs down, but still allow that centralized logging that flow to uh, be able to troubleshoot your your prod like environments. Um, yeah, yeah, I was saying it's that balance, right, of like the cost and security and just you know, the ease. So, yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean that's um, uh, something that um, like one of the considerations for the project that I was just on was was cost um and they've uh they also have well most of their architecture um set up as a series of lambda functions um and that was like the big question was like we we you know we need better visibility into what's going on with the environment because when we're going from one lambda th to the next if something gets lost you know we need to be able to track what happened um and there was a lot of different uh things that we explored in terms of, uh, you know, what would be the right fit for them. Uh, and we ended up landing on uh, TimeStream, uh, which is just a, a time series database uh, to store the data um, and being able to um, just push all of the logs from CloudWatch uh, into that using Firehose and then um, using Grafana as the visualization layer, um, just configuring the different data sources um, you know, uh, from the different environments, you know, uh, the time stream data sources. Um, and what was nice that what I really liked about that is there, it gave a lot of control over, um, who had access to the data, you know, who could make requests and, and what, what types of data could they see through the Grafana visualizations. Um, and it was all configurable through Terraform as well. We were able to use Terraform to do that, um, using infrastructure as code. So, not having to, you know, come up with a whole bunch of visualizations by hand. Uh, um, we could just uh, have that template be deployed through um, Terraform and have that set up. Um, so, so how does the, like the searching work? Is it like indexing it all for you on the on different things? Or do you have to like make sure everything's in like JSON format? And it's like, like how does it, I, I haven't, done too much with that so uh you're, you're talking about searching through grafana or how it how it's uh like moved into time stream like the format Both. okay yeah so uh with grafana like the really the, the powerful thing about it is um being able to come up with um, very detailed visualizations um and you can do some searching on it um it allows for sql like um requests or sql like uh queries um and you can like uh, easily set up tables, uh, charts, uh, graphs. I mean, any kind of visualization that you want. But um, the time, comp the temporal component is extremely important, and that's why one of the reasons why we went with um, time stream. Uh, and yeah, putting it in a time stream. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, um, it was taking the information and the logs and then transforming it, I think, into JSON. I have to double check. Um, but uh, once it gets into TimeStream, um, you can just make SQL queries almost like you would just make queries to a regular database um, and have it uh, pull the information out. And it's got like added um, functionality for like aggregation and, and counts. And um, yeah, it, it's uh, definitely been uh, it's been interesting to uh, put into to place there, but 
Okay. There, so the reason why I'm asking is with New Relic, everything that you send over there in a log, if you put it in a, like a JSON format, they'll automatically index like every property and value for mm-hmm. you. Um, and then you even give you um, uh, like autocomplete, right? Uh, when you're doing your your searches. So I was just wondering, right? Like how how that would be set up. Do you have to be like very, um, I don't know, thoughtful, right? In the beginning of, of, of how you're sending the logs over there and like what you're sending? Um, Oh, um, well, yeah, you bring up a good point, which is something that we've run into before is like if we have a certain number of um, attributes, right, like, uh, you know, like JSON attributes or keys, and then later we find out that, oh, we want to add more keys, um, there you would have to make sure to take into account some of the records that have already been processed because, some of the queries that we had run after adding new keys, um, it would throw an error saying that like the attributes empty, right? Um, so okay. yeah, which that that ended up being a pain, uh, just kind of like a um, uh, a learning experience that we had to to get over and and get through um, in the beginning. But yeah, um, selecting like what you want to track is something that's. Um, uh, pretty important. Um, and I think that's something across the board too, not just with like logging something to time stream, but um, knowing what you want your indexes to be ahead of time, like what type of information that you're going to be querying for um, is a good thing to think about um, when uh, like standing up something like Splunk or uh, an Elk stack. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it- it's it's nice that it automatically does the indexing for us, right? A new relic. The problem is it's you know like the wild west. You know you don't know yeah. is it you know customer ID one word or a dash or an underscore, right? Or it's you know in different spots. So you know it's like the yeah it's it's nice to not have to worry about the format ahead of time, but it's also like a pain, right? To not have it standardize of you know what you're going to be indexing on what your what your properties are right yeah because if you like later on i mean if you're if you're trying to make uh like if you're making a query and you're trying to answer the question you know uh where geographically are users making requests to my app from over the past you know 24 hours versus you know how many 500 errors is my app throwing in prod over the past hour. I mean, those are two very different questions with, and you're looking for in completely different, uh, for different information, right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's good to kind of have an idea of like what type of um, uh, questions you're trying to answer with these. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it goes back to like centralizing. It's like, oh, it's great, but you know, things aren't standardized you know, across different components. And it's like, you can't really, you know, join some information together unless you you really know like that app and what it was you know those properties that were set right and having having that kind of standardization is nice when you can manage it um something that we ended up doing for this project that i'm i'm uh discussing uh was um so we were using lambdas and uh one of the things that we ended up relying on was um creating a uh, custom Lambda layer. 
uh, and we had a, a logging module that we created that would uh, pull some of that information from the Lambda uh, based on a few different things like um, the Lambda's tags, uh, the environment variables, you know, to, to get things like, you know, am I in dev or prod? Um, so when the, uh, the function would use the logging module that we had created, it would automatically fill in some of those things that it needed to add um, without necessarily having to rely on um, the, develop the developer to be aware of that information and, and accounting for it for what he's building. Uh, it, we would just, we built that module and then had that module deployed to all the lambdas. So we had that consistency. Yeah, yeah, and, and New Relic does a really good job of that, right? The things that are kind of standard across that. It just, it's when it comes down to like, you know, like, usually like a user ID, right? Or something like that and like how that's formatted or, um, or, or getting like the, the tracing, right? IDs to be consistent across things. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so um, I wanna do a quick time check. We are coming up on time, but um, I just wanted to, to leave a few minutes here um, for any like uh, closing thoughts or, or last, uh, last items of discussion. Um, did you have anything uh, that you wanted to uh, conclude on, Tom? Ah, uh, no, no that was good, good discussion there. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, anybody else have any closing thoughts? All right. Well, I guess with that, um, thanks. It was really good talking to you again, Tom. And you too. Wish you well. And I hope to see you on more of these. This has been good. Yeah, no, I, this is fun. I look forward to uh, the team team composition or something like that. Oh, yeah. Our teams are organized. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I've been really, really involved with that for the past year or two. I'm thinking of how that's done. So excellent. Yeah, I, uh, I know. That, oh, sorry to cut you off there. Um, yeah, I know Hannah had uh, posted the schedule uh, on the Slack channel, and I think that's either going to be next week or the week after. But yeah, you could yeah. Uh, check out the check, uh, Slack channel to, to see uh, when that one's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that one, too. So we'll see uh, you there. All right. Well, yep. Thanks, everybody. And uh, have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, too.